Whether you're with us online or in the room, I want to direct your attention to the screen as I read our scripture for today, which is Psalm 84. Just reading it, then I'd like to invite you to affirm it with me. I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. Hear now Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of heavenly forces. My very being longs, even yearns, for the Lord's courtyards. My heart and my body will rejoice out loud to the living God. Yes, the sparrow too has found a home there. The swallow has found herself a nest where she can lay her young beside your altars. Lord of heavenly forces, my King, my God. Those who live in your house are truly happy. They praise you constantly. Those who put their strength in you are truly happy. Pilgrimage is in their hearts. As they pass through the Baca Valley, they make it a spring of water. Yes, the early rain covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength until they see the supreme God in Zion. Lord God of heavenly forces, hear my prayer. Listen closely, Jacob's God. Look at our shield, God. Pay close attention to the face of your anointed one. Better is a single day in your courtyards than a thousand days anywhere else. I would prefer to stand outside the entrance of my God's house than live comfortably in the tents of the wicked. The Lord is a sun and shield. God is favor and glory. The Lord gives, doesn't withhold, good things to those who walk with integrity. Lord of heavenly forces, those who trust in you are truly happy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to say a special word of thanks first to uh, everyone for being here last week. I know we changed our worship schedule if you were able to be here with us in the room or online at 10 um, because I asked you, among other things, to be here to pray over the leadership of our congregation, both staff and lay. So I appreciate you doing that and keeping your church leadership in your prayers as we go through this year. If you're on the church's email distribution list, the email that came out this week had a link to uh, all the names of the folks who were serving in leadership and and in what capacity they serve. It also began a series we're going to be introducing the staff. We've got new staff who've joined the church during the pandemic. We have new people who've come to the church uh, during this time, and so we haven't had the chance maybe to get to know each other as well as we could and should, so we're just making sure that we all sort of know each other and see faces even below the nose. And, uh, and then also, please, keep our leaders in your prayers. And that time that we spent together as leaders a week ago, Saturday, I gathered folks for half a day and um, we focused in on the mission of the United Methodist Church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And then I offered to our leaders two words, two ideas that I asked them to reflect on and consider how we can embody one another 
then that other word that I offered to our leadership was healing. And in fact, we're living in a time where our world and everyone in it searching for healing. I shared with our leadership the, uh, I don't know if you've seen what Google, at the end of every year, Google makes a video, the year in search. And it's just a couple of minutes long, but they most searched for thing that year and sort of compile it and make a little video and brings a tear to your eye. And, um, and the, the year in search video for 2021 from Google said that the most searched for thing in the world in some form or fashion, was healing. That, that is indeed what we are all looking for. Whether it be on a very personal level, on a communal level, or worldwide. We, we acknowledge, we, we recognize, we, we feel it in our bones that this is what we need. Now is healing. And maybe the, the first step toward healing and the need for healing and to be made whole is to name that. Is to identify it. And this time of deep grief, struggle, and loss uncertainty we, we begin the journey towards healing by naming the need for it as a kid I used to watch the uh, G.I. Joe cartoon I don't know if it, that rings a bell with anybody they, they used to have a little half hour cartoon Saturday morning uh, G.I. Joe and they would end every episode with um, a little bit of a lesson with kids and so a couple of the characters from G.I. Joe's would like, uh, they'd be gathered there with some kids and they'd be talking about something, you know, some sort of moral topic or, or behavior or, you know, being a good citizen or something like that. And, and they'd, they'd play out a little lesson and the kids, inevitably one of the kids would say, oh, I didn't know that. And, and one of the soldiers, one of the characters from G.I. Joe would say, and now you know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. And they, you know, freeze frame right there like that it is stuck with me it, because it's true knowing is half the battle and that that's part of this even in this psalm is, is naming knowing the hurt the grief and to some extent i think what we are living in now is a culture that has been shaped by a generation at least in my experience shaped by a generation that doesn't name it. That doesn't talk about it. If it's uncomfortable, untoward, unseemly, we don't talk about that. We just soldier on. Which gave rise to a generation that doesn't know how to talk about it. The, the deep things of pain or grief. And so that generation, not 
having the tools, not being equipped to be able to process it together and talk about it, then just so often throws up their hands and quits and walks away. And now we're seeing a generation coming into adulthood that is then in reaction to that going to insist that we talk about it. Whether it's something that's recent or hundreds of years old. Whether it's personal or collective. We're going to talk about it. This is a time that we are living in of the shedding of a lot of tears. The carrying of a lot of grief and pain. And in times like that, the Psalms are a salve for the soul. Especially and particularly this one, Psalm 84, which contains some lines and refrains that probably are very common to you. They've been put into song, recited and shared. You can hear in the voice of the psalmist just how much it means to them. And then from them on behalf of all of Israel, just how much it meant to them to be in the presence of God, to come into the courtyards of the Lord's house. I would rather, the psalmist says, I would rather stand outside at the gate of God's house and just be the doorkeeper than I would to live comfortably inside anywhere else in the house of anyone or anything that's not dedicated to the Lord. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. You hear this deep desire and longing to be in God's house, in God's presence. Have you over the last couple of years said or heard it said, I just want to be back in my church? For the psalmist, for, for the people of Israel, even for you and I, as we said that, what do you, what do you think is the, the motivator, the driver there? Is it, is it the delightful building? Or the divine builder? Is it the immaculate architecture that the psalmist was so worked up about? Or was it the incarnate architect who was building God's people into a house of worship? The psalmist is praising, singing, crying out to God to worship. And not just 
alone, but together with God's people. This is, in fact, a psalm of ascent. It is a psalm that they would have sang as they went up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God together. And I would say, especially for us now, the key to unlocking the power of this psalm is in verses 5 and 6. It's, it's there where the psalmist says, O oh Lord, those who put their trust in you have pilgrimage in their hearts. Even as they travel through the Baca Valley, springs of life and water come forth. Now you'd have to understand the reference to the Baca Valley really for this key to unlock the power of the psalm. Baca in Hebrew means weeping, tears, crying. And most likely did refer to a literal valley in Palestine that would have been along a common route that people would have taken to get to Jerusalem to the temple to worship together. Most likely, this valley was called Baca Valley or the Valley of Weeping because of the trees that were growing in that valley. Particular valley that is referenced here was dry and arid and there were only certain kinds of trees that would grow there and they were the weeping kind. You might think about a weeping willow that you've seen. It may have been a like a balsam tree or a mulberry, something you can put that picture, that image in your mind of the trees that, whose limbs hang and weep and wilt. And then the sap would drip off of the ends of the limbs as if as you traveled through that valley, all of creation was weeping. And so the psalmist brings to mind for everyone who would hear this and sing this, naming that on our way to worship God, to enjoy the goodness and the blessing of God that is rekindling God's spirit within us, that on our way we go through the valley of tears. And the psalmist names that valley among God's people as a part of their worship. We travel through the valley of tears together. And it's in the valley, in the pilgrimage of passing through that valley that those tears become a spring of life, says the psalmist. I was reading a paper this week uh, by someone by the name of Elizabeth Backfish, and she was writing about the Psalms and about the spirituals that were created and sung by slaves in our nation. And she 
describes the parallel between the two. And she gives some history that for the slaves in our nation that they were taught the faith, they were taught the Psalms and they gravitated to the Psalms when they would gather for worship because what's contained in the Psalms is this lament, this expression of grief and loss and tears and even in the midst of it, a desire from within to worship God and praise God and look toward all that God has promised and will do for God's people. And she lays out the parallel between the Psalms and these spiritual songs that the slaves in our nation created and wrote and sang together over and over and over. There's a point in that paper where she says, the hope and transformative power of the Psalms provided a means of voicing and working through their suffering, thereby restoring their inner health. That in fact, the Israelites who would have heard and sung this psalm, the slaves in our nation sang their way to healing, even in the midst of the suffering, not just afterward. Frederick Douglass said this about those spirituals. I have sometimes thought that the mere hearing of those songs would do more to impress some minds with the horrible character of slavery than the reading of whole volumes of philosophy on the subject could do. That there's power in the singing of these songs of the praise and worship of God, of naming even in the midst of that the suffering and the grief and the loss that we are enduring, not just personally but collectively together, to lay that bear before God together, to put it in the light of God's love that we know in the person of Jesus Christ And in the midst of that, to sing, to praise God. This psalm, those spiritual songs, gave voice to the people's collective groaning. So did, in a very similar way, the poem that was shared at our presidential inauguration a year ago. I don't know if you remember the poem read by Amanda Gorman. There's a place in it where she says, Even as we grieved, we grew. Even as we hurt, we hoped. Even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promise to glade the hill we climb if only we dare. It's something for a brave young woman 
to write and recite profound words of healing for a nation at a turning point. And it's another thing then for people together to sing and recite profound words of healing over and over again until the tears of grief become a spring of life, a well of living water. That is the work of God. That is the work of the people of God. That is who we are called to be and what we are called to be about. That as we name our grief together in the light of God's love and as we worship and praise God together, we sing our way through the grief to the healing that God has given us and calls us to be for the world. N.T. Wright says about this psalm, it is a psalm about practicing the presence of God. Church, do we dare pass through the valley of weeping together and climb the hill to worship God? Do we name and express it. Lament and confess it and cry so that healing might come. That we would be a people and a place of healing in line with Psalm 84. For us to be a place and a people and a community of healing begins at some level inside each one of us. For each of us personally to lay open our lives before God. To be willing to name it. Grieve it, lament it, confess it. Even if it's something that's been with you your whole life and you've just soldiered on. In the words of the psalmist, that pilgrimage that is in your heart and mine that takes us through that valley of weeping from strength to strength until we see the fullness of the might of the Lord God of Zion. And as each one of us takes that pilgrimage through our own grief, to healing then we become a people who do that together who can name and confess and lament those things among us that break our hearts or have broken us as a people whether it be God's church or our nation
and that we can travel through even those together. Singing praise to God who gives good things, withholding nothing to all of God's people who would walk on that pilgrimage and worship God with integrity, sincerity, humility, and faith. Church, we need to worship God together as an act of healing for ourselves and for our world. May it be true for us that this would be a community who would worship and heal. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.